Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. If you'd like to uh, turn to a passage of scripture, if you'd like to score along at home, uh, going to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 6, would be a good place because we're going to look at several scriptures in there. One of the things that I learned on this trip is that it's a good thing we have the Lord to lead us and the Lord knows more than we do. Amen. Is anybody aware of that? I mean, how many of you have ever had something that you really wanted to do, you really thought it was a good idea, but the Lord said no? For those of us who proceeded anyway, we found out that the Lord knew what he was talking about. For those that, now here's a problem. You can't prove a negative. You can't. In other words, if the Lord says, don't do that, you won't like that. And he won't tell you why most of the time. He just expects you to believe him and go on. Right? And so, you know, you can't prove a negative. It's like if you, you tell your children, you know, uh, don't do something, and they don't do it, they come back, well, nothing happened. Well, no, because you didn't. And so you can't prove a negative. Now, as we're driving along, Liam, five years of age, and it's one thing, I'm going to tell you, it was 1,600 miles out there and 1,600 miles back. You know, we put 3,812 miles on the Forerunner, all told, because we drove over to California, and uh, the... You know, he, he was tired of being in the, the car. I don't blame him. I was too. And I'm not strapped in the way he is. Back in the day when kids were allowed to, you know, move around the car and thump around and play and throw things at each other and wrestle and giggle and all that kind of stuff. Traveling in a car might have been louder, but it was a little bit more, a little bit easier. But now they're like, ah, you know. And he said, let's just pull over to the side of the road. Let's spend the night in the car. Let's just sleep in the car. I said, I don't think so. He goes, it'll be an adventure. <laughs> now, clearly, I knew more about that situation than he did. And he would not like it at all. And when God speaks to us, We've got to believe that he is at least as smart as Papa <laughs> on a long trip. That no, sleeping in the vehicle is not a great idea. We all want God to lead us. The good news is he does. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside quiet waters. You know, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. What, what a wonderful passage, uh, Psalm, the 23rd Psalm, of course. And we all want God to lead us. And we all want spectacular guidance. We all want the open vision or the dream that's so clear that you can't get away from it. Or audible voices. I've had all of those things. They are wonderful. But I can count the manifestations. How many times something like that has happened to me on the fingers of my hands. And that's in well over 47 years of serving, you know, being spirit-filled and serving the Lord. 46. 46 years of being spirit-filled. I mean, and when God spoke to me audibly, it was deep and profound. Pick up this hitchhiker. You'll stay, you won't leave until I tell you. You'll leave when I tell you to and not one minute before. Things like that. Deep revelation. One time he said, go to school here next semester. You know, I mean, where I was really struggling, but most of the time, the primary way God will lead you and me is through the scripture. He'll lead us through the word. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, verses 1 and 2 say this, God, after he spoke long ago to the, fa to the fathers in the prophets in many portions in many ways, in these last days has spoken and I would like to say is continuing to speak to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the world. God has spoken often and authoritatively through the centuries to the fathers and the prophets. And in these last days, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Messiah, is the ultimate revelation 
of the Father. He said, Jesus said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. To whom has God spoken? To us. God has spoken to us. God is continuing to speak to us. When he said, you know, this is, in these last days, look again, has spoke, verse 2, in these last days has spoken to us. First person plural. Personal pronoun. Us. God say, let's say this together. God is speaking to me. All right. He has spoken to you. He is speaking to you. And he will continue to speak to you. You know, many people today would tell us that the Old Testament is of no consequence and unneeded in the age of grace. Many even include the Gospels as being obsolete in Scripture. But I remind you what, Matthew, what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore, everybody say this is red. Go therefore and make disciples, not just converts, learners of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, teaching them to do, teaching them to believe all that I commanded you. So in other words, the four Gospels are quite relevant for today. And behold, that's what lo, L-O means. Behold, look, I'm with you all the time, even to the end of it all. End of the age. All right. The New Testament is many more things that God is speaking to us. Acts chapter 1. Verses 1 and 2. Uh, Luke writing, was he had finished his gospel. And now he's starting, after doing research, considerable research, and he was an educated man. Uh, he's he's going to write a history of the things that had happened in the, in, the, in the ancient or the primitive church up to that, that point. And he says, the first account, which would be the gospel of Luke, I composed Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Began. To do. That's its own word. And what does he mean began to do? He didn't say of all that Jesus did and taught. He said all that Jesus began to do and teach because Jesus is still doing. He is still teaching through his body. He is the head. We are the body. He's still doing it. Until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. One of the things that Jesus did was correct error. Because there was a lot of religious error that had gotten in. Um, the Pharisees had come up with 365,000 workarounds. So you wouldn't actually have to do the scripture, right? And when you, if you want to see some of that, where he's making a correction, just go to the Sermon on the Mount. And you will see him say, you have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard, but I say to you. You know, uh, a lot of times. You know, and if the God of the universe, who created everything, according to Hebrews 1-2 that we just read, is walking around teaching, I think I want to hear what he has to say. The things that Jesus began to do and teach. Jesus said, now again, he began to do and teach. And as he was getting ready, when you get into John 14, 15, 16, 17, you, when you get into those chapters, you'll notice that it is mostly read. In some cases, all read. The re in other words, it's all the words of Jesus. And Jesus is at the end. He's getting ready to offer himself for our sins the ruler of this world is coming, and so he is giving his final words. Now, we have a few of those over in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Remember, Matthew was written to the Jews, Mark was written to the Romans, and Luke to the Gentile world in general. But John was written to us. And John wanted to record more of what Jesus said because he wanted us to know the Jesus he knew. And Jesus said to them in John 16, and I want to read verses 12 and 13. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now you've heard me say this before, but I, it, it, it bears repeating. And that is that when he says you can't bear them now, it means you can't take it. It's just too heavy. No, it means you can't carry it. You can't. It's the word Pharaoh means to get your 
head wrapped around it. You can't understand it yet. You will. Remember it says over in Luke 24, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. It describes, I believe it describes that event in John chapter 20, where he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's when their minds, they were born again, their minds were opened to understand the scriptures. And he says, but when he, you can't, you can't get your head wrapped, you're not ready for it. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Everybody say, the spirit is guiding me. Into all the truth. And again, remember, the word translated truth, aletheia, can also be translated reality. He'll lead you into what's real. He'll lead you into discernment if we'll allow him. Amen. And he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Look at this. He will disclose to you what is to come. He'll only be saying what I tell him to say, and he'll show you what's ahead. Now, that might not be on a global basis. Maybe he will show you some things along that. We, we can't believe for that because, you know, that's up to him. But what he will do is he will give us warning about things in our own lives. He'll disclose future events. He'll show us the things. You know, you'll be able to look at a situation and, how many of you have ever had that happen? You know, some, somebody in the family or somebody at work or something like that said something and you just, you could see it coming. You could see the future. You knew how, where this was going to go. Um, in Luke chapter 24 and verses 44 and 45. Now he, meaning Jesus, said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds, as I said, to understand the scriptures. The Holy, and then in verse 26 of John 14, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. That is why one of the many reasons it is so important that we be people of the Word. That we be saturated with the Word. John, I heard John Osteen, not Joel, John Osteen say in my presence one time when he was at ORU and he was ministering in a class there and I got to be a part of it. He said, you put the Word in when you don't need it and the Holy Spirit will pull it out when you do. How many times in your life have you looked at a situation and a scripture floated up on the inside of you? Oh, but I want a vision. I, I want an angel to appear to me. I, I want an audible voice. Believe me, you know, we can't tell God. I, every time I think of that, I think of Sister Goodwin, Carmen Goodwin. Says Brother J.R. Goodwin's uh, wife and widow. And she was a prophetess. She was a seer. And she was ministering to us. And I was complaining about how God had led me one particular time. And I've told the story before. She said, you know, and after I said, but I want God to speak to me directly. I don't want it to come through so-and-so or this person or another person at all like that. And she said, Kevin, I love the way she used to talk. She said, Kevin, honey, you get in trouble telling God how to talk to you. Yes, very good. The Holy Spirit will come and be Jesus' agent in teaching and guiding from that point forward. And he didn't stop in Acts 28. The last chapter. Acts, we're living in Acts 2022. Amen. Now, I want to take a little aside here because we're talking about the scripture. And I want to tell you, and I hate to rag, but you need to hear this. Not all versions are created equal. There is danger lurking here for the unsuspecting. Most popular versions of the Bible, we call them translation. What translation are you using? Now, it can't be a translation because trans, technically speaking, every, every version of the Bible is an interpretation of the Scripture. Um, we have a linguist in the back uh, who... Alan was telling me when they were down in New Orleans that she got to do some interpreting for him. We would call it translating often, you know, like that. But sometimes the, what it says doesn't make a whole lot of sense 
if you just translate it literally word for word. It's either cultural or something like that. In the, in the front of every bus in Germany, literally it said, during the ride, not with the driver, speak. That would be the way you would read it, literally, translate it. But if you interpret it, somebody says, what does that say? You wouldn't say, during the ride, not with the driver, speak. You would say, while the bus is in motion, don't talk to the driver. That's the way we would say it. And there are other things that are even, literally, in Russian, when you see on the door of every, every door of a subway moving through Moscow, you know, the, it, there's a phrase on there that when you read it in Russian, if somebody says, what does that say? We would say, don't lean on the door. That's what we would say. But what it actually says is, do not put pressure on the door like an elephant. <laughs> That's the way they would say it. Slung, elephant. You know, it's, you know, he's like, wow. So every version of the Bible is interpretive. It has to be. And usually, like with the New American Standard or the King James Version or the New King James Version or the ESV or the NIV, there are, there is a commit, it's a group of scholars who are working together as checks and balances and they work with each other because you come across difficult passages and you have to interpret by, by context, you have an interpret like that. But then there are these things called uh, paraphrases which are not actually taken from the Greek text or if they are, they're by one person who interprets it you know, the best he or she can and sometimes they just flat miss it. And you know, You've heard me rag on the message. I do not use it. I do not recommend it. Let me give you one example of why. I, you know, I feel bad about having to call it out like that, but the fact is, you need to know this. Let me read you 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10 from the New American Standard, which is a very, it's a, one of the, if there was a problem with the New American Standard, it, it is that it can be overly literal. Whereas the ESV is more of a, it flows better, more interpretive. But this is the NAS. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Or do not. They wouldn't use a contraction. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul gives us a list of things under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that are very, very specific. You understand what I'm saying? It's not necessarily an easy list to read. I've even read long treatises on the word homosexual, how it doesn't mean homosexual. But... It does mean homosexual. Our sin of coites, our sin meaning the male, coites, we get our word coitus directly from it. It means a man who has sex with another man. And furthermore, it's translated exactly that way in all, or it's used that way I should say, in all the Greek literature of the day. Okay, so... When the New American Standard puts in here, homosexuals, it's not a stretch. It's not a reach. It is 100% accurate. But in the message, the same passage reads this. Don't you realize that this is not the way to live? Unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining his kingdom. Those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex, and use and abuse the earth, and everything that's in it, don't qualify as citizens of God's kingdom. Wait a minute, there's several words that are missing. There's several behaviors that are missing. If that's all I read, I could think what I'm doing is okay. Because I don't use or abuse. But when I go to what the NAS or the King James Version or the New ESV or the NIV or the Amplified or one of those put it out there, I go, oh. Because it is very, very specific. Not all versions 
are created equal. And there is peril if you do not realize that. Okay, end of rant. But I wanted you, and there are other examples. That's just one that just jumps out and grabs you. In John 14 and 21, let's come back to the scripture and its role. And we're going to get to the spectacular guidance. We're going to get to the visions. We're going to get to the, all that. We're going to get to those things. But we need to understand that this is the foundation. That the scripture is the primary way God will lead us. And even if he leads us by a more spectacular way or a more um, what's unusual way, that it's always to be judged by the scripture. Alright, so uh, in John 14 and 21... Jesus speaking to his disciples and John writing to us writes this. He who has my commandments. What is a commandment? A commandment is do thus and so or don't do thus and so. Some people say today some Christians in the greasy grace sloppy agape um, you know hyper grace movement would tell us that there are no commandments. It's just you just it's just a kind of a free for all. That's not what it says here. He who has my... That's why they say, well, the Gospels don't apply. Well, you know what? There's plenty in the epistles as well. He who has my commandments and keeps them, meaning does them and obeys them, is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. The word translated disclose is exactly the same word as manifest. In other words, if we are walking in the light as he is in the light, according to John chapter 1, verse 7, then we will detect what did Paul, I mean, uh, Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall perceive, they shall detect, they'll know what God is doing. You know, there's, it, and in fact, you know, he who has my commandments is a present participle. He who is having my commandments. You know, it's, it's, it's a verbal adjective in this case, you know. And we know from Hebrews chapter 4, and everybody knows this scripture, verse 12, the first part of it says, For the word of God is living and active. It is not dormant. And sharper than any two-edged sword. What does it say over in Isaiah? As the rain and the, and the snow come down in heaven, from heaven and water the earth and bring forth its fruits, so shall be your word which goes forth. It will not return to you empty. It will accomplish that for which you have sent it forth. In, in John chapter 6, and I told you you could go there. This is the big debate about Eat my flesh, drink my blood. And the people were going, ew, ew. Because they had, and, and, and all they could think of, that's so gross. That's just gross. Because they didn't understand. Neither did they bother to hang around and ask, what did you mean by that? Even his disciples, some of his own disciples said, boy, this is tough sled. Who can listen to this? And they left him. His disciples, not just the crowd, many of his disciples withdrew and were following him no more. And so he asked the twelve, he said, do you want to go too? And, and what did Peter say? He said, where are we going to go? You have words of life. Maybe we don't understand, but we're pretty sure you'll explain it to us if we ask you. Just like the parable of the sower and the soils. Therefore the Jews, verse 41 were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. Skip forward to verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Well, what had happened? He had fed 5,000 the day before, then he crossed the lake and they came seeking him and they wanted, and he says, you're not seeking me because you're interested in truth. You're seeking me because you're looking for another free meal. That's what it, we see it in the North American church today. Yeah, God, I'm here to worship you. Now bless my socks off. That's what it's all about. It's all about me. Amen. Think about the woman at the well, John chapter 4. When he offered her living water, she said, Sir, 
And he said, he, he, he told her, whoever drinks this water will never thirst again. And she immediately in her head, which yeah, I'm not ragging on her, we're all this way. And immediately in her head she goes to, what blesses me, what I would like. She goes, give me this water that I may never thirst again or have to come all the way out here to draw. We're looking for God to help make our life easy. Which is exactly contrary to the word we received this morning. God sometimes doesn't make our lives easier. In fact, sometimes God makes our lives a little more difficult. Yea, though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, keep on going. He said, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna. They said, well, Moses gave us, gave us bread. He said, yes, that's true. But it wasn't Moses, it was the father. He says, this is the bread. Well, I'll, come, I'll back, back up to verse 48 again. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. In fact, everybody except Caleb and Joshua over the age of 20 who came out of Egypt, nobody, none of them made it in. This, even though they ate manna. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down out of heaven. Put it in context. What does it say in John 1? The word became flesh. He's not talking about cannibalism. He's talking about his spiritual nature. I am the word become flesh. And if you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, if you will eat and drink deeply of the word, the living word, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I... Uh, also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has life, eternal life, and I raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. They're already fussing at him about it. And what does he do? Does he say, no guys, you don't understand me. No! He doubles down. Oh! <sighs> Have you ever thought that, you know, God, uh, I remember that old gag about Noah back when I was a kid. I'm going to make it rain a thousand days. And Noah says, you know, through the comic, he said, listen to this, you'll save water. Let it rain 40 days and 40 nights and wait for the sewers to back up. <laughs> Have you ever thought that there was a better way and you could kind of help God out? Yeah. Abraham can tell you all about that. He helped God out. Thank you. The fact is, Jesus compares himself as the manna. How, did they, how often did they have to gather manna? Every single day, except the Sabbath. And on Friday, the day before Shabbat, they would gather more and if they tried to keep the manna over until you know not on Shabbat but if any other day if you gathered as much as you needed for that day give us this day our daily bread and if you tried to keep it overnight it would get foul and worms would grow in it so in other words and it says he who gathered little had enough he who had gathered much did not have too much. And so every single day when they would gather it on Friday, they could save it over to Shabbat so they didn't have to go out on Shabbat and gather, on the Sabbath and gather, and it would not grow worms and, and wouldn't become stale. So our walk with God to be led by the Holy Spirit means that we are to read, we are to meditate we are to be in the scripture, the word of life, every single day so that our experience with him will be fresh every day. 
This is not a casual approach to Scripture. How many of you have a relationship with food? Anybody here? How many of you and food go way back? And how many of you are like me that if you don't eat for a while, your body starts talking to you? And then it raises its voice. And eventually it begins to scream. How many of you know what I'm saying? And that is exactly the, the, the relationship that God uses for His Word. What did, I think it was Job, I have desired His Word more than my necessary food. More than once with Ezekiel and then again with John, we see the Word written on a scroll, handed to the Apostle, in John's case, the prophet in Ezekiel's case, and he says, eat this. And he ate, the, or they ate the scroll. Honey to my mouth, bitterness to my stomach. Why? Because of the condition of humanity. And when we look at verses 55 and 56 on down, where he says, He who is eating my flesh, eating my uh, flesh and drinking my blood, you know, we're, we're, again, they're participles. For my flesh is true food. He who is eating my flesh, snacking and gnawing, no less. It's an interesting thing. Have you. Uh, I love crunchy stuff. You want to know what the mo one of the most dangerous, dangerous foods on earth is? Fritos scoops. Oh, man. I love corn chips and tortilla chips in general, but Fritos, the plain old Fritos in the large size are... Oh, it's, it's catnip. <laughs> I mean, you know, and you put them in your mouth, they go, <laughs> and sometimes it's like if you go to the Mexican restaurant and they bring out the basket of tortilla chips and they're all gone before the food even arrives, you know, with or without salsa. And does anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't even think. In my house, it is legal to eat a burrito without something crunchy alongside of it. I want something crunchy. It's a taco, okay, as long as it's a hard shell. But if it's a soft shell taco, I need some chips. And when, you know, you, you watch the, I'll, I'll whip out the Fritos and limit myself to, you know, three, four, fifty, whatever. And if Bub comes walking in, he'll go, can I have some chips? Well, I can't tell him no. No. And he'll, he'll start to eat them and you can hear it. You know, clear across the room. Well, that's the word trogo here that's used. And that is, that's the way we are to gnaw on it. We are to snack on it. We are to, the word is supposed to be such fun for us. Not a drudgery. And he who is eating, he who is drinking, he who is eating my flesh and drinking my blood abides in me. If I'm not doing that, I have cut off the main way God is likely to speak to me. Amen. Well, maybe he'll get to me another way. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll just steer you back to the word. And again, I'll read to you, uh, John 14 and 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and disclose my... In other words, what is that? That is not just the hearing of the word, it is the doing of the word. In fact, Jesus, I believe it's in, in, in John 14, where he said, those who have heard and learned from my Father. Not just heard, learned. How many of you know... There are a whole classroom full of kids that are hearing, but only sometimes a handful of them are learning. We begin to wind this down, come in for a 
landing. Executive tower, I have the field. And it's a long way off. Second Timothy chapter 3. Some of you can quote this by heart now since you've heard me quote it so often. Talking about the last days. Evil men and spin doctors. That's what the word imposters, it means a verbal magician. Spin doctors is what we call them today. And boy, they are everywhere. There are things that are coming that will prove that our, that, in fact, we're already there, that prove our government is incapable of handling them. Incapable of a proper response. Incapable of doing what's right. Incapable of doing something that would actually help to contain the problem. But they'll put a spin on it. It's Putin's fault. You know, it's the company's fault. It's the owner, gas station owner's fault. It's whatever. It's not my fault. Not my fault. Evil men and spin doctors will proceed from bad to worse. Deceiving. Boy, we're seeing that. And being deceived. That's one of the problems about deceiving people is you heart so hard in your own heart, you get to where you can no longer detect truth yourself. You, however... Now he's talking to Timothy. You, son, continue in the things you have learned and of which you've become convinced, I'm going to not dangle the prepositions, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings. What, to what sacred writings could Paul possibly have been referring? I'll fill in the blank for you. The Old Testament. The sacred writings which are able to give you the what? Wisdom. What's wisdom about? Wisdom is about the future. Wisdom says, no, we are not going to pull over to the side of the road and spend the night sleeping in the car. <laughs> wisdom doesn't put the watermelon in the seat and the bread in the floor in front of it. And the chips. It's a quick way to multiply your Fritos. But they're smaller. <laughs> That's when you come and go, Honey, I got some Frito powder. I want you to think about that. Which are able to give you the wisdom. What's able to give you the wisdom? The sacred writings. The scripture is able to impart wisdom to you. The Word of God is living and active. What does he say over in, I think it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he said, I thank God that when you received our message of the gospel, our preaching, you did not receive it for the word of, as the word of men, but you received it for what it really is. The Word of God which performs its work in you who believe. Wow. No wonder the devil doesn't want you cracking that Bible. No wonder he assaults it out in our culture and tries to make it seem, arca seem arcane and silly. But Paul said that. To the world, our preaching is foolishness. But to those who believe, it is the power of God. And the greater the word greater the word level in us, the better we know it. And believe me, we leak. We live in a caustic, a, what's the word I'm looking for? A, uh, an environment that will cause the deterioration of our faith because it just sucks it out of us. You go out to, you know, you go up north you see a lot of vehicles with rust on them. And people say, man, your truck's really clean. It looks great for its age. Yeah, that's because I keep the, the salt off of it. I mean, when it's nasty outside, just quick as I can, I get over to the car wash and clean it up. I remember one day I was over when there was a, we had a bank uh, branch over here in Lee Summit. You know, I was in there and Aaron came walking in while I was there because they were banking there at the time. And he said, I knew it was you. And I said, why? He said, not because it was a forerunner, but because it was clean. 
Everybody else's car is covered with, you know, the yuck of, you know, melted snow and all that stuff because it's like in January or February. And he said, I knew it was you, not because it was a forerunner like yours, but because it was clean. I look, I said, that could be dad's truck. Yep, it's clean. It's dad's truck. We just keep washing. We just, you know, you are, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, he says. Is that right? All right. And so hearing it is phase one. Doing it is phase two. <laughs> you know, if somebody is trying to coach you, or you're, you how many of you have ever done something that you looked up on a YouTube video? Yeah, most of us have. Man, what did we do before YouTube? We called somebody that knew. And how do I wire this outlet? Well, the first thing is, Leon, have you got the power turned off at, you know, at the, at the breaker? You know, okay. Second, pull this out. This wire goes here. This wire goes here. And this wire goes here. And then all at once on the other end of the line, the guy that's giving the instructions hears, ah! Thump! And then wrestling around, and then, okay, I'm sorry. What happened? I got the living snot shocked out of me. Did you turn the power off at the breaker? Well, I didn't think I really needed to do that. How many of you get the illustration? There's a lot of people we want to pick and choose our... Well, I, yeah, I know it's in the scripture, but I didn't think I really needed to do that. You're in for a shock. Especially into the days we are headed and already find ourselves. The, you know, listen to that. Well, I'm going to read the rest of this here. And I'm going to, you know, I could... I don't want to ramble. But evil men and imposters will proceed, spin doctrine will proceed from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things which you have learned and of which you've become convinced, knowing from whom you have learned them. That from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to give you the wisdom that leads to what? Salvation through faith. So those sacred writings, the Old Testament brings faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. And leads to salvation, which is through faith in Christ Jesus. Politicians, journalists, celebrities have been abandoning. I mean, it, we in the last few years, Christian recording artists who have been very popular have said, I'm no longer a Christian. Walked away from it. I suspect you may never have been. Even in church, compromise is rampant. We see books that tell us that God doesn't really expect anything from us and it's all good and just live any old way and you haven't done anything wrong no matter what you did. And that's when Paul tells Timothy, you, however, keep doing the word. Keep abiding in the scripture. The, the scripture that imparts wisdom leads us out of sin. Yeah, there will be word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. We're talking about those things on Wednesday nights. Prophecy are all way cool adrenaline producers, especially if they come in a vision or a prophetic dream. But those, those things never, ever, under any circumstances, supersede the Scripture. Because the Scripture, the Word of the living God, is our primary guidance system. And though extraordinary guidance is wonderful, it is in no way guaranteed. Right here in this written word, the head of the church will speak to us through his Holy Spirit the vast majority of the time. In fact, Paul says this in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And that word training is a strong word. It means disciplining us. Strengthening us. Reproof means reprimand. That's the, how many of you ever been reading the Bible and you went, oh my goodness, and you realize that the Lord was talking to you in no uncertain terms. 
I've had it happen. Paul would probably be criticized for using that word today. Oh, God would never reprove us. Oh, yes, he does. You're talking to say, you came too late for me. He's chewed me royally. You know, well, you're putting me under the law. No, I'm putting you under the grace that will teach you to be godly. Colossians, or Titus 2. All right? For correction. You know what correction means? Straighten us out. But I'm not crooked. Think so, do you? Or think not, do you? Adjusting a course. On our trip, a couple of times our GPS went cross-eyed. I need to update the maps. But I'm not sure what it was. But a couple of times it showed me way off of the, of the highway. Just kind of wandering around. Recalculating, 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 recalculating. So I reached up and turned it off. Turned it back on. It required the satellites and suddenly we were right where we were supposed to be. Even though I knew it. Okay. And then one time we were coming out of Nebraska we were going to, we're coming out of Lincoln and headed for Nebraska City. And those of you who've driven the route know that you get off of 80 because 80 is going to curve north and east and go to Omaha. And you don't want to do that because that just is a longer way. What you do is you get off on that road and you slug through all those lights, which it's still faster. And then you get on that four lane, 70 miles an hour, and it goes down to I-49. Well, that's the way we were going and that's the way it's said to go. And then suddenly I look up at it and it's saying, Get off at 75. Go down to 36. Take 36 over to St. Joe. And then it wants me to go to 169 or 69, something like that, and come in that way. And I'm going, what? And I told Kathy, I said, this thing's lost its mind. <laughs> and she goes, what's it telling you? I said, I said, there's an interstate up there that goes straight where we want to go to 435. Why on earth would we take this? So I did the same thing. I reached up and I turned it off. Waited, turned it back on, and suddenly the correct route was back in there. Once in a while, you got to shut off all the voices and follow what you know by the scripture. Wouldn't it be cool if we could reboot our children? Just turn them off. And then turn them back on and suddenly everything's cool. I hear a father's laugh. What is it Gene used to say? Wouldn't it be nice if we could just screw the top off of the head of young people and pour in 40 years worth of knowledge? Screw it back on. Don't forget to shake well. I wish somebody would have been able to do that for me. Again, John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and disclose, manifest myself. One of the things that it says there, this isn't just a code, you know, or a philosophy or a procedure. It's about relationship. He uses the word, my father, not just God. If our musicians would come, the word is life. The word is the bread of life. Breaking bread with someone is the ultimate fellowship in Jesus' day. And today we break the bread of life. True faith and heart worship are traveling companions. Not just the singing of songs and the raising of the hands, but worship, as I was teaching earlier this week, or a week ago today, is an extravagant devotion in every area of our life. When we come to the place that that word has so changed us that no price is too high to pay for him, no distance is too far to go for him. No effort is too strenuous for me to exert and no sacrifice is too great for me to make. Daily. Daily. Everybody say daily. Feeding on his word. Receiving his grace to do it. This isn't hit or miss once a week. I remember a former president used to say he read one scripture out one chapter out of the scripture every day. Well, good, that's better than nothing, but I'm here to tell you, eating three saltines is not going to keep you going. There has we, we need more time in that. I've talked to you about my and I'm not holding that up as an example. But what I'm telling you is, I'll tell you something else. If you don't, I found a, an app for the new KJV 
that I got to listen to on the trip read by a bunch of famous people. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know they were. I was listening to it. I turned to my wife, listening to Jeremiah. I said, that's Brian Cox. She said, who? I said, you know the actor, Brian Cox. I've always enjoyed his work. He's usually a bad guy. Once in a while he gets to be a good guy. And I really enjoy it when he gets to be a good guy. He's a really good actor. He's an older guy. You know, like that. And so I thought, that can't be. And then I'm listening. Later on I go, that's Gary Sinise. Reading the Psalms. And Stacy Keach was reading Paul. And Michael York. And all of these really famous people. And I'm, you know, and after I got over that, because I looked it up on the internet, after I got over that, I noticed that I was listening that certain things, I disagree with the way they read it, because I read it out loud too, and my way is better. <laughs> Without fail. No, what I'm saying to you is, when, they, when it's read to you, sometimes stuff you never notice jumps out at you. Daily feeding on His Word. You know, how much better would it be to ride around in your car listening to, listening to some famous actor, read, or actress in this case, read the Scripture to you? Instead of, everybody dance now. <laughs> Let's all stand. I had to end it on an upbeat note, right? We're going to get into the more extraordinary stuff. But we need to know if we don't have a, if we don't, the scripture is the primary way. I've talked a long time today. She goes, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, that's it. Well, I preached quite a while. You can get my... You know what? It was so wonderful to be in front of a crowd of people who had heard none of my stories. None of them. Not even one. It's like, wow, this is pretty cool. I talked about get smart. Remember my story about Don Adams and everything? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know. Uh, and I used car illustrations, talked about the manifold. And several guys go, man, I got that. I got that. Yeah, car stuff. <laughs> Jesus said truly loving him means following him and following his direction at all cost. Pick up your cross and follow me. Matthew chapter 10, he said, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who doesn't even despise his own life. Does he saying hate our mothers and our fathers and our children? No, because the scripture clearly tells us where to love them. So what is he saying? He said, if you really want to be able to carry the cross every day, it's going to be because you love me. You will never get it done out of a sense of duty. Because the day will come that the price will be too high. And your flesh will say it. I ain't doing this no more. you got to love him more than anything. As we, we hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone, available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.